Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shihan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Shihan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Shihan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever time you might actually be consuming this as, if you're with us live on the call, and uh, depending on where you're at in the world. Uh, welcome to Kuda. Well, the way you announced me, on, the way you announced me on that intro, that's just, yeah. I, I should be standing on like a, I don't know, a rock precipice with a superhero costume with a cape flowing in the wind. I know. Yeah, well, don't do that. Well, too late. Well, anyway, yeah. Right? Through, from my perspective, that's how I see you every time I run into you. You're oh, like, you know, hey, no. fun, and there he is, so majestic, you know. There's wow. almost like your hair's blowing in the wind every time I see you, too. Somebody's really wearing a rubber today. <laughs> you know, I, I use that on people regularly. Are you wearing one? And they look at me very, very strangely, and I say, look, if you're going to act like one, you should dress like one. <laughs> so there's our lead-in for the day, right, just to show yeah. you that. I, I do have a yeah. sense of humor more than just laughing at you after I punched you in the throat and you're gasping at for air on the floor, so it's all good. And, you know, this is what happens when we, uh, we we don't have a show for a couple of weeks here. It's That's been, right. Uh, <laughs> if you've been joining us on the show for, you know, as a regular every Friday kind of event, which which we love that aspect of the show now, being able to do this with live callers and people can ask questions and comment as we go. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, you've had some things, I've had some things that have just kind of pulled yeah. us away, but, you know, we've, we've kept up with some old episodes, giving you some, some best ofs, if you will, of uh, old, old Kuden episodes, but we're back now with uh, a couple of weeks uh, of being off, so it's it's good. And we have we have a question to get to today that I think is a great one uh, that has to do with you know sharing of information as well as a topic to get into um, that was floating around the internet. And I saw you had uh, responded to sir about uh, gun disarm, so uh, a bunch yeah. of good topics. I, I think I want to start. A lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> Because people just tend to want to jump on things because it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's just, you know. Right. And I do have something to add to to, to that, um, you know, because I, I do have quite a significant law enforcement background. I'm certainly not a lawyer, right, but uh, just to make sure that my recollection was right, I did a quick check just, be, you know, before I got on for, or for today's show, just to make sure that, you know, memory didn't twist with, uh, car accident, brain damage, and all that, and so uh, you know, it's it's amazing how people can be armchair lawyers when they start discussing these things. But right. uh, I do want to touch on that just a little bit. I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not giving legal advice, but I do want to kind of shed some light on you know why I discuss things the way I do, um, rather than it just being the tough guy. You know, um, I'm going to get him before he gets me kind of mentality. Right. Well, I think anyway. I'd like to start with Josh's question. Josh put a great question up on uh, the Kuden page, and we thank Josh. Yeah. He's always got great questions and appreciate him as, as following the page and hope uh, others who are listening do the same because that's a great place to connect with the show. Uh, and well, he's he, a mind he asked, doctor, so. Oh. He's a mind doctor. Yeah, you know, psych, 
So uh-huh. he's either uh, he's either trying to bait us or he's he's just always thinking. I I know Josh, so. Well, I love I, I I love his current profile picture that's on the site, which is uh, a chimpanzee in a martial arts uniform. Right. It's great. <laughs> it's great. So I already know a little bit right off the bat about him, and, and I like that. I like that about him already. And he uh, feels all warm and fuzzy when he's making uh, uh, shuriken by hand. So yeah, that, that nice. The monkey has some shuriken hidden in that uniform somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> so you know. Josh asks about, um, you know, basically, do you discuss the fact that you practice martial arts with people you don't know, or do you keep that, as he says, on the DL, the down low, um, you know, Hmm. saying, like, if they ask about your interests, and so, you know, if they were to ask, do you bring it up? And, you know, right off the bat, and I'm I'm thinking about you, sir, I'm like, well, I know he tells people because part of the program (laughs) and sharing with the school, school, he'll walk right right up to a guy and go, have you thought about martial arts uh so there's you know <laughs> definitely there's a great amount of sharing going on but i thought this kind of about from my perspective and it's like you know it is not my lead off with a lot of people in fact uh you know a lot of people for a long time that have known me for years may not even know that i do this and that's intentional that you know okay you know i come at them the side of I'm not going to tip my hand, but, you know, so so I, I, there's a couple of perspectives here, and I'd, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts. I know Joshua. No, and that's good. Question. I mean, I, you know, I, that's that's a perfectly understandable kind of thing. I mean, Takamatsu-sensei died. Um, you know, Hatsumi-sensei's teacher um, died. Uh, his business, what everybody saw him as, was he ran a little noodle shop. And you know how we love those noodle shops when we get a spin, mm. right? They ran one of these noodle yeah. Mm. <laughs> they ran one of these little shops, right? So as far as anybody was concerned, he was just this, you know, noodle guy, right? Um and they were surprised in his obituary to find out that, you know, he was this multi uh lineage soke of ninja schools and all kinds of things, right? So um I kinda threw people off. So um so yeah, on one on one side, you know, I do approach people uh and I discuss things and I have to talk to literally strangers all the time about martial arts. Uh but my approach to that is a little well, it's a lot different. Um because most people uh instructors, people that run training groups or whatever, what they want to shower somebody with is everything they know or why this art is better or, you know, they can kill somebody in four moves or less or, um, you know, all kinds of things that, that just scream me, 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 right? Um, I have a couple of friends that uh, every time they talk to people about, and, and they're trying to recruit for their group as well, but every time they talk to them, they share the same story about what really did it for them. Well, that's great. So we have to hope that this person that you're talking to has the same interests, has the same perspective, has the same, well, I mean, what what are the chances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then, of course, they can't figure out why these people that they talk to who've shown interest never show up. Well, basically, you told them you don't have what they're looking for because, from my perspective, you never stopped to ask them what they were looking for. So, on both sides, on my personal life side, which I have lots of friends and, and uh, you know, associates and things that know that I do this thing, but they don't know what I do. They know what I do. They know that I do, <laughs> I'm involved in martial arts and self-defense, but they don't know what I know, okay, because that's for me. 
right? But at the same time, I run a training group and all that. So, see, like you said, it's a double-edged sword. So on that side, uh, whether it's personal or professional, and somebody says, you know, uh, do you teach martial arts classes? Uh, my answer, honestly, is always yes, but there's a follow-up with a little semicolon in there, right? It's mm-hmm. yes. Are you interested in martial arts classes? Because if they say, well, no, not really, I just heard that you did it. See, then that cuts the cuts it right there. We don't even need to go on. There's no further discussion necessary. I don't need to say, yes, it's XYZ martial art. You know, I've been doing it for this many years, and I train with this guy in Japan. And you start throwing all kinds of Japanese around, which now you're really speaking Greek or Japanese, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. it's just it's too much, right? So my my first thing, and it comes from our, our you know, mind training and, and this neurolinguistic programming that we use. And so it's just a locator question, you know. Is the person even interested for themselves before I talk to them about it? And if they say, yeah, you know, I thought about it, right? So then I've got another follow-up question. Well, what is it that you'd like to get out of a martial arts program, or what is it that that does it for you when you think about martial arts, or some question like that that gives me more insight into how, what, how they think about martial arts. Just like if somebody called at the at the dojo and said, you know, one of their first questions out of their mouth would be, "Hey, do you guys spar?" Right. Hmm. Right. See, for some people, for a lot of people in need to, the answer would be no, because it's not the same as they're used to seeing in sport karate stuff, right? Uh, or they'll say yes if they're in a different martial art or whatever, right? Um, uh, my answer their question with a question, which is, do you want to spar? Because maybe this person is looking to eliminate school options that spar because their first experience in martial arts uh, involved sparring and the teacher wiped the floor with them and they got injured and then they couldn't work or whatever, right? And they've got these other priorities, you know. Um, So I I need to know what that is. And then if they say yes, then, you know, I I need to know where they are, right? So I tend to ask a lot of questions um, to even figure out where this person is. But the big thing is, what do you want to get out of the training, right? What are you looking for? And then I only talk about those things to a very superficial level, just so they get it that, yes, that's what we offer, right? I don't talk about any of the other things. Are they getting those other things? Yes. But what do they care about right now? Only the things that they're, that is in their mind, right? Um but again, only superficially, because we just got started with this, you know. Um, so, and it works both ways, even in my in my personal life, right? Um, somebody will make some kind of comment about, oh, you watch out, Mr. Miller knows that stuff. He'll kick your butt. And I'll just, you know, I tend to blow it off and, and do the humble routine and say, oh no, I'm I'm an old guy, you know. You don't have anything to worry about for me which is usually one of the biggest disarming things. And what I've what I've experienced from a lot of martial artists across a wide variety of martial arts when they're asked if they train the martial arts their typical general answer is eh, I studied a little bit. Right? And they just kind of leave it at that. I remember uh I had a school uh three schools back. <laughs> 
And um, there were some folks that were um, they were in town uh, scouting out locations to shoot a movie, right? And um, so one of the guys was, uh, I don't know if he was the director or an associate director or whatever. He was scouting locations. And he had this other guy with him uh, that I found out was his martial arts consultant slash stunt coordinator. Hmm. But this guy had a certain air to himself that screamed of security and somebody that can just take care of themselves. Had right. A very quiet, soft demeanor, but his posture and his presence just spoke volumes as opposed to shoulders back, chest out, glaring you in the eyes kind of thing, you know? And so uh, what they were looking for was they were looking for local martial artists that they could hire as thugs or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, because right. they don't have to train us to do break balls and all that, right? So talk to me about this. And, you know, I looked at this other guy and I said, oh, wow, do you, do you train in the martial arts? And that was his answer. Well, you know, done a little bit. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, you have the demeanor of someone who's done much more than just a little bit. But we'll leave that for another time. And I broke eye contact with him and looked right back at the director and said, okay, so tell me more about the project. And so in that moment, he and I understood each other. But, you know, he didn't come walking in like some big bouncer, you know, from the bar down by the tracks because he had something to prove or, you know, whatever. So. Um, but that's just been the typical answer for a lot of folks. So I guess the answer for Josh would be, that's what I do. But what's what what's your end game? You know, um, are you looking to put together a training group? Are you looking to introduce people to the dojo that you go to, right, or that program, so that they could benefit from the same things that you are? In which case. Um, I wouldn't leave it on the down low. Um, I mean, you don't have to go around punching doorways and, you know, throwing feigned kit or faked kicks at, at people, uh, as I've seen lots of people in my life do. Um, they just tend to want to show off. But, you know, um, it's okay that people know that. Do you have to bring it up first? No, of course not. Okay? Um, a couple of suggestions for that is unless it comes up, don't say anything. Or if you are looking to introduce people or offer this as a potential benefit to people, right? Um, and, Josh, you don't have to do this. I mean, Josh is one of my in-house students, so you don't have to do this, okay? Uh, but if you were – and this is for anybody, right? If you, were, if you were looking to do that kind of thing, then, you know, you don't have to wait until somebody says, do you train in the martial arts, they might be talking about how their kid is suffering from bullying at school or they've got low self-esteem or whatever, and you can relate either on a personal level, if it's true, or Hmm. knowing about somebody else that that was true for, and then kind of mention that, you know, I don't know, you've done this, this, and this. Have you you considered martial arts? Well, it's not going to make my kid violent. Well, see. And that's where you need to educate educate yourself a little bit more. And that's where my brochures are way different than everybody else's, right? They don't go uh, tossing around Japanese names and all that. Um, The one for the kids group actually uh, highlights that question that parents have. And I I point out that usually the opposite is true. And we're very good at weeding out the rare exceptions, right? The opposite is true, right? They don't become violent and all that. They learn to 
be able to carry themselves with more confidence and all that. So, um, again, it depends on what your what your thing is. I mean, you know, you don't have a, a training group at the moment other than your son, right? But if you mm-hmm. were going to expand that a little bit more, there will come a tipping point that same thing happened for me where you can't get around the fact that people just end up finding out that you do. But, and see, and then in that instance, who you are and the persona you project publicly will make all the difference in who you attract. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I know that wasn't wasn't an either-or answer, but... um, uh, you know, it really is personal choice, but uh, I started a school so I could really help more people. And you know, I, I, most people know that I started out as a as a uh, police officer and I did some bodyguard work and all that, right? So I was I was out there and I became a police officer to protect people from bad guys. And I quit being a police officer because I was doing reports on victims and trying to catch the bad guys afterwards, but the damage was already mm. done. And that's right. not why I set out to become a police officer. So I realized that I was on the tail end of things, and I wanted to get out on the, you know, in front of the spear point, so to speak. So right. that's why I started a training group and then a school, other than the fact that I also needed bodies for my own development. But when I, when I went professional with it, uh, it was it was to help people. So... I'm always on the lookout for how can I do that? How can I make my community safer? Um, hmm. and we, and you know what? We need to publicize this thing again that I, I haven't done in a couple of years, probably since my accident. But we had a stated goal in the public, and we told everybody that we were on a mission to convert 12% of our community population into black belts. Hmm. Can you imagine what would happen to the crime rate if just 12% of your population had black wow. guys? Yeah. Freaking bad guys would be gone somewhere else, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, I, I, again, it depends on what it is that you're looking to do, right? So, um, but I would, I would, even if you decide that you're going to talk about it, I would keep it fairly minimalized, um, you know, don't talk about uh, rank or, you know, keep it vague. You know, I'm training uh, for a couple of months. I'm just kind of getting started and everything. But, man, I learned a lot. You know, so you can, you can, and it's true. It's all true, right? Um, but you don't have to spell out skills. You don't have to spell out tactics. You know, my typical response when somebody says, once they find out, you know, and they say, well, show me something. You know, so you're going to need to come into the dojo. Um take a trial class or something, or um, or I'll say, I'm not, I'm not into messing around like that. You know, let's, let's go, uh, go to a movie or something, right? And I'll, and I'll scare it off. Only right. when somebody continues to press or they start to act very, very, you know, immature or whatever, you know, uh, or if I'm feeling extremely jovial and they say, show me something, and I say, punch me, in which case, you know, it has to be in a very lighthearted mode or whatever, but uh, it's as much as somebody wants to learn something, but and they really don't. They they want to screw up your technique, right? Yeah. Um, and you'll know if somebody's genuine or not, you know. But 
I, I, I touch it very, very light, even with promoting the school, right? And I make no excuses or apologies for promoting the school. You know, the folks that uh, are upset at me for doing the kind of things that I do to get more students into my school are the same ones that have a problem with promoting theirs um, or hmm. restrict it to such a high degree that, right. you know, that they only want people like them. <laughs> well, good luck. Since you make up one-tenth of one percent of the entire freaking population who can be committed to your degree about anything, good luck in finding more than one or two people in your area at any given time that maybe think they want to be that, right? So, anyway, hmm. and what do you want to throw on the fire there? I mean, it's, I mean I'm sure it sparked a couple of things, but... Yeah, no, uh, I've got I've got this thought in my head, and it's it's one thing I've never done, and I've often thought about since uh, training, and and that is just in in training your own ability to uh, not show your hand. Uh, this comes from from discussions we've had <laughs> where we've talked about, uh, you know, we've worked really like in camps and things. We've we've worked well on on walking, uh, ninja walking, and just just walking how we carry ourselves and how uh, things like arm sway and, you know, okay, we, we work on being able to walk and, you know, our arms aren't swaying wildly because, you know, we're on balance and we're not trying to counterbalance our strides and things like that. But right. obviously uh, people don't walk that way. So if you walk around with your arms and they're not swaying and that's going to look odd maybe to somebody. So, you know, we, we drill so much on, on proper mechanics, but then you, you have to, uh, Disguise that in some fashion, add that arm sway back in so that you you aren't standing out. Um, so that further grew into a thought of, well, okay, so we've been doing martial arts for some time. Uh, what if I just went to another local martial arts of any kind of school? Uh, would I sure. would I come off to those folks as like, hey, you've done this before, right? Uh, you know, could could you go to a class and look to them like any other beginner off the street, just wanting to take a class and learn what they're teaching? Uh, you know, so just as one of those so tests we on how, how well you're able to, yes, things, right? yes, right. <laughs> but I because haven't I done it yet. I was going to say so. that you know, if you're talking about minimizing arm swing, your posture's better, the way you carry yourself, the way you use your eyes the way you take mm -hmm. in the world, right? All of that screams, this person can take care of themselves. Right. You don't need to walk around with your chest puffed out and, like I said, your shoulders back and, you know, a scowl on your face or whatever. People can read that there's something different about you. And it's, it's not that you're not approachable, but, hmm, something different about this person. Yeah. Right? And you, once you understand that, you can either... Just walk around and do your thing, right? Um, I find that if I'm if I'm uh, just walking around and doing my thing, as a matter of fact, I, what I do, I went to went to the mall earlier in the week. I had to pick up something, and I'm just walking, and now I say I'm just walking, right? I'm just walking, hmm. and I start to catch people looking at me almost with a look like, should they know me kind of thing, like they're trying uh -huh. to recognize me or yeah. figure me out or whatever. Not super quizzical, but, like, heads are turning. Yeah. And yeah. so I just kept 
doing what I was doing, but I took stock of me. And I realized that the head was up, right? Had a quicker gait because I had purpose and I was getting somewhere. I wasn't just lounging around, you know. It was yeah. a day off, so therefore <laughs> I dropped my metabolism to, you know, that kind of thing, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I had shit to do, <laughs> and I need to get it done. So, <laughs> you know, even if it's I'm going to the bookstore to uh, see what, you know, see if any new deals came in or see what they have on certain topics, and then I'm going to be done, right? So, and so when I get in there, everything does slow down. And I look and I peruse and whatnot. But when I'm done and I'm moving off to the next area, then I move like I have life, right? I'm not jogging and there's no skipping my step or whatever, but, um, you know. And then, like you said, there's no arm sway. Now, I fake arm sway for two reasons. One, to get those people to stop looking because that's one of the things they key to. Uh, hmm. I'll often sink my weight a little bit more, right, without bending my knees, but just kind of let it lower a little bit more and relax my shoulders, not so they droop forward, but just so they're just there, right? Yeah. And I'll drop my chin just a little bit like somebody who's trying to avoid eye contact, okay? Um, and I'll initiate the arm swing so that I look like the way everybody else walks, right? And then suddenly you become a great person and nobody's looking at you anymore. The right. other reason that I've been doing it lately and doing it more often lately, and I have to be very mindful do it more uh, often lately is that my Fitbit doesn't pick up our walking. <laughs> I'm lucky if I pick up one out of every three to four steps on the Fitbit. So I have a 10,000 step a day goal and I'm registering four to 5,000 steps, right? And I'm very active, so um, I'm not registering a lot. So just trying to get the damn device to, to give me a closer you know, thing, and then sometimes I just go, you know what, screw it, I'll just adjust for the, for for what I know is, is off, right? <laughs> yeah. um, That's funny you mentioned that, because I did the same thing with my phone, I had to, I had to put the goal down to 6,000, just because it wasn't counting properly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just not counting the steps. Yeah, I'm like, right? I'll just put it at uh, 6, then, and we'll be, we'll call it even. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, right, we've got to we get this technology to get results more healthy, but the technology is based on, you know, barely not caveman uh, movement, uh, you know, so anyway, so it's cool stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a position now, and I've been doing this for so long in my area, that, uh, you know, now I get people to walk up and say, hey, uh, you know, my cousin's roommate's brother's sister, whatever, said that uh, I should come to you because, uh, you know, you get the best classes around. I just kind of smile and nod, you know, and I go right into the same spiel, which is, is are the classes for you or for somebody else, hmm. for an adult or a child? Oh, okay, well, would you like to get out of the program, right? I mean, it's just I could do it in my sleep because yeah. I go right into information collecting mode, which is the primary or number one skill of a ninja, right? So... um but, you know, then I'll, as a, as a part of my little information gathering thing, I'll say, you know, how'd you hear about this? Oh, this person told me or whatever. And, oh, okay. Did they train with us? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, hmm. see, then the question is, well, how'd they know? Well, right. from the school's perspective, I don't care. Okay? That's called, I got, I've been around and doing things the right way for such a long time. That's called positive word of mouth. Right? 
The last yeah. thing you want is negative word of mouth, which is they know you just as well, but nobody wants to come near you because uh, you're the guy that gets drunk every Saturday night and gets into a fight because somebody called you mom and me, and you can't not defend mom's honor that mom's been dead for four years. You know, whatever. You know, yeah. so uh, anyway. So it's, um, you know, Josh, it's, it really is up to you, and this is for anybody else as well. Um I didn't check to see if any comments or questions came in while we were discussing this. Uh, I had to get rid of out on lecture mode, but I'll open it up to anybody that might be on the call. That's okay with you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take it out of, I'm going to put it in interactive mode here. Uh, I don't see anybody live on the call, but if you are live and you have a question or comment about what we're discussing, go ahead and speak up. And if you're on the webcast side and you've got something to toss in there. Uh, we'd love to hear it. I don't see anything. I don't see any questions, comments. And there's people over there. Yeah, must be they're just in awe of our, uh, in expertise. Awe. <laughs> 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 Maybe over you if that's blonde hair. <laughs> you ever heard the sun bleached out there? Because my brother's in the summer. No, you like, know, when like, I was a kid, white. though, interestingly enough, yeah, I went from having, like, almost white hair as a young kid that as I got older, it just kind of got more dark and brown-like. So, yeah, I was that big-time toehead as a kid. Well, he, has, um, he has what I might call dirty blonde hair. It's not like blonde-blonde, but in the summertime, it's blonde-blonde. I mean, it's like almost white. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, I call him, uh, not sure if he's heat miser or snow miser, because uh, he's got the white <laughs> hair like snow miser, but it's right. summertime and he has a he has an edge to his uh, temper, so uh, oh. usually gets him to break from his temper, though. But anyway, so we either call him right. that or Sonic the Hedgehog. So well, anyway. that's a good one. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, so, so I, I don't the, see anything at the moment. We'll catch yeah. up if anybody else jumps in. So let me put the other the other issue, or I should say, uh, topic we have to discuss was uh, this this issue about gun disarms, and you know I kind of wrote down yeah. the note as discussing you know real versus maybe what's online because lots of videos are out there of this whiz-bang did you even see what happened he's disarmed the guy uh and 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 this particular uh comment or discussion got started with uh this this person saying i find it disturbing how many instructors are teaching gun disarmament it's all about speed and flashy dangerous techniques there's more than just the technique it's called situation awareness and i really loved your response as you kind of expanded on some of what was being discussed to say, uh, you know, not not only do you have to worry about passerbys or bystanders if, if the gun is to discharge while you're disarming, but this really could boil down to any action, uh, whether that is, you know, no weapons in hand at all, just you're in a closed environment, who are you bumping into, knocking over, a missed punch hits somebody else. Uh, so it, it just, um, I, I kind of really enjoyed where your response to that went about situational awareness beyond just this item everybody's talking about, a gun. Right, and then one of my, well, one of my friends, he's more of a peer or an associate that I've known for years in the art, uh, he kind of added in, uh, based on my response, uh, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, uh, wanted to clarify and point out that, yes, I really was responsible for where the bullet goes kind of thing. But how about if we back up with this? Because, um, yes, it's true that 
you know, there's responsibility in everything that we do. Uh, but with the gun things, I've been, I've been, uh, I've even talked to teachers about this along the way, Shoshi Malmstrom and Shoshi Hayes and some other folks that, um, you know, we, we tend to think that gun disarms are less real than, say, knife attacks or knife, you know, uh, things. Not that there aren't a bunch of hokey things out there for that as well, but they tend to be less real because very few people who are teaching this stuff have ever been shot or shot at, you know. Uh, anybody who's mm. been around me for a long, you know, any significant amount of time uh, knows the story about how a forty-five caliber bullet missed my skull by about a, uh, a finger's width uh, back when I was a police officer and somebody decided that they were going to go for my gun uh, in the middle of me apprehending them, and they pulled the trigger and missed. So when I say that uh, powder burns and flash, you know, things like that are highly overrated and, and all those kind of things, uh, that, you know, you're never going to know it until the day after the day after kind of thing, that you've mm-hmm. got powder burns on you and feel the pain and things like that. I'm not kidding, right? So um, most people haven't been shot, right? At, almost everybody's been cut at some point or to some degree. So there's a little bit more, I would say, realism across the board generally with knife defense than there is with gun defense uh, because of this reality, right? Um, But at the same time, people tend to focus on the gun and they tend to focus on technique because, you know, in the martial arts and self-defense world, that's, that's kind of a sign of proficiency. It's a sign of skill, right? It's what people can see. It's what we can do. But when it comes to gun defense, you know, I mean, you've been to my classes, right? When we, mm-hmm. we discuss uh, how the range is, com- the, the optimal range for gun defense is completely opposite from knife defense. Knife defense, I want to be as far away as possible. Um, gun defense, I want to be as close as possible. Why the hell is that? Well, because knife, <laughs> you know, he can only cut me as far as he can reach me, right? Yes, he could throw yeah. it, but... You know, uh, but with a gun at close range, and this goes back to not paying attention in class in school when we were growing up, right? And getting answers now to the question that we either thought or said back in school: When the hell am I ever going to have to know this stuff? Like, I don't know, geometry, right? And angles and degrees of shift and things like that, right? Um, well, it'll save your life, right? Uh, do you have to know it for an occupation? No. But in training and in the real world, it'd be nice to know that if I'm up close and personal with somebody with a gun in my face or up against my back or my gut or whatever, that a single move actually moves me farther to a greater degree or angle off that line than it does if I'm, let's say, 5, 6, 10, 15 feet away. One yeah. step he barely has to move his wrist and or hand to stay on target, right? But the closer I am, one step, he has to move a lot to get that muscle back on online. So, uh, yes, you know, so there, there are these differences that, you know, that people tend to not think about. But at the same time, also with gun defense, gun defense is 10% technique, 
90% psychology. Right? You better be really good as an actor, right, and really good at not showing a tell before you act, right? You can't do the Chuck Norris glint in the eye before you put a boot upside his head because all you have hmm. to do is twitch a finger and you die, right? Yep. So, or at the very least, you leak, right? So, anyway, so that's this, and so that's the first stage of this whole thing, and we don't need to go into the whole thing because um, I have four levels of hand, just handgun training, um, full weekend seminars, right, and uh, just to cover this stuff, right? So uh, can't do it in just a couple of minutes. But either way, here's this this start that there's plenty of things that people need to take into account and not just learn cool moves. The second thing that, that came out of this conversation was the responsibility for where the bullet goes um, when yeah. you do a disarm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And actually, this is where one of my peers, associates, whatever, kind of friend, chimed in because my response, as you recall, was one of the coldest lessons that you could ever learn is that you can't save everybody, right? Because yeah. the big thing was, you know, you do a disarm and the gun goes off and somebody gets hit across the park or across the street or whatever. Look, yeah. this guy was pulling the trigger and going to shoot somebody, me or whatever. He was going to discharge around, okay? So I can't save everybody, and I can't save anybody if I'm dead. So, now, that's a very cold, hard stance that allows me to train. But, you know, my we'll use the word friend. My friend chimed in with the, yes, Jeff, you are responsible for where the bullet goes. Um, now, so, and I, I don't get involved in little debates like this because I'm not playing piston contests back and forth, right? Um, and I just, I have a busy life. So I don't, you know me, I don't eat myself, I eat my time up on online with these little things, right? So, but the question would be, am I responsible morally or legally? Okay? Because yeah. I'm always morally responsible for something because I'm responsible for my actions based on my morals and ethics. Okay? So karmically, yes, I'm responsible because I move the muzzle in that direction to that number of degrees at that exact moment in time that that other person was standing in that place. But did I put them in that spot? No. Did I? You know what I mean? There's all these things that you could play around with. But legally, what was the intent? Did I move the muzzle and tell the guy, okay, now you can pull the trigger? Right? That kind of thing, right? So legally, there's a whole other bag of worms here. Okay? Yeah. And I just this is one of those things that I just wanted to generally touch on very, very quickly today because I am coming at this from an ex-police officer's perspective. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going into all the nuances and things like that, but I have a little bit more experience than 99.9% .9 of the self-defense and martial arts people out there who have a belief or stance on a given issue, and that is the definition of the law. Okay? So, and while it's a little bit more involved than, well, it's a lot more involved because there are 50 states and, and you know, so I, whatever I'm throwing out there, you're going to have to go and check on your own because there are these little nuances. But generally speaking, this is the same across the board, okay? And I make this really, really simple and split it into three degrees of murder, but some places don't have a third degree 
and I'll explain that in a minute, but we could look at it as a third degree, okay? Mm. And then there's a fourth kind of thing. That's, it's a fourth type of homicide, but it's not illegal. How about that, okay? So if we start with first degree, right, all murder is – or all killing and murder is, is wrong, right? So we get that. That's the moral justification behind it, okay? So first yeah. degree murder involves one very specific key piece, and that is premeditation and forethought. Premeditation and forethought. I chose a target. I planned out how I was going to get them. I spent time, whether a little or a lot, figuring out how I was going to make it happen, and I go and do it. Okay? That's premeditation. In some places it's called felony homicide or uh, whatever, hmm. and they differentiate that from what they might just say as murder or whatever. But as I was taught and as I moved through my career, um, it was first-degree murder. They all fall under homicide, but um, it was first-degree yeah. murder. Okay? That's premeditation. Okay? And this is going to be important when we get down to things like manslaughter. Okay? Second-degree, or what some places just call murder, right, has a couple of different things that are in there, like... Uh, I have uh, reckless disregard for human life, okay? So let's say that I get drunk or I'm having a good time or I'm, I'm pissed at my neighbor. Who knows, right? And I decide to pull a gun and fire off a couple of rounds, and those rounds hit people, okay, and they die. Uh, I go to jail for murder. I mm -hmm. didn't intend to kill anybody, but I did, okay? There was no heat of passion, there may have been some anger, right, but there was no intent to kill leading up to the moment that I actually pulled the trigger, okay? Now, this is where a lot of martial artists can get themselves in trouble or self-defense people because you come across sounding like you had disregard for human life when you were defending yourself against this guy because you delivered a blow that you only intended to injure with, but it resulted in a death. So this is where you need to be able to articulate at the scene of the crime in a very specific way that doesn't make you sound like a vigilante, right? In court, that doesn't sound like you're just trying to save your own neck from going to prison. And all along the way, you need to be able to articulate that what you did was the minimum necessary to to defend yourself, okay? And that you believe that you were in, um, you know, serious bodily harm you feared for maiming, death, that kind of thing. It wasn't a simple assault like he called your mom a name and pushed you on the shoulder kind of thing, right? Yeah. You punched him in the face, he fell over, whacked his head off, his skull off the curb, it split open, and he died. Well, sorry, dude, going to jail, okay? So, because you killed somebody, right? But see, leading up to that point, you didn't have, there was no premeditation, right? It was done out of anger, but it wasn't what would normally be called heat of passion. And I'll talk about that further down. Okay. Um, another case for second-degree murder um, actually sounds kind of backwards, but I'm going to give you an example from when I was a police officer. Let's say that I and a bunch of my fellow officers show up at a bank or a convenience store or whatever that's being robbed, and the guys come out, guns blazing. Okay. And so there's a firefight. All right. Let's say that one of the rounds from my weapon goes through him, wings him, misses him or whatever, and hits somebody in the store, okay, and they hmm. die, okay? 
one, this guy, if he killed a police officer or his his rounds missed us and go across the street and shoot somebody or whatever, reckless disregard, all that. But this comes back to another condition for second-degree murder. Okay? Um, it doesn't matter if he shoots somebody or I shoot somebody that's not him and that person dies, he gets charged with second-degree murder because hmm. that that death occurred during the commission of a crime. Hmm. My rounds wouldn't have been discharged had I not been trying to defend myself and neutralize him from causing harm to the greater yeah. good. Now, people in self-defense need to think about this, okay, because this leads into something called justifiable homicide later on down, but you have to be more articulate than just some bar rat or some, you know, got martial arts is my life kind of person. Mm. And, you know, you just bandy around and you just tell everybody, you know, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6. And all that crap, that mm -hmm. that's going to come back to haunt you, right? Because if you end up up on charges or they're investigating this thing to see if it was justifiable or whatever, they are going to take your character and what other people say about you and how you're generally known and what you're known for into account. And there's nothing karmically that you can do about everything you've generated up to that point. You've done it, you did it to yourself before you even found yourself in that mess, which is why I'm the humble guy in town that says, eh, you don't have to worry about me. I'm just this old fat guy, old fat bald guy, which I'm down like over, over 10 pounds here in the last two weeks. Is that cool or what? Yeah, yeah. that is. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, so it, it's just, it's, you know, it's different. So there are a couple of other conditions. It depends on municipality and all that. But that's generally the case, right? The big differentiator was were you just doing something that was either in a disregard for other life or there was no premeditation leading up to it and you just did it, right? They shoved, you shoved, they pulled a knife, you pulled a gun, they lunged, you shot them, that kind of thing, and you didn't do anything else to... Uh, you know, whatever, okay? Or you got angry and you shot him, right? So that, you know, so what's self-defense and what's murder, okay? And that's why we have self-defense laws, and we need to make sure that we stay within them so that we don't find ourselves splitting hairs in this case, okay? But if this guy pulls a gun, sticks it in my face, and it's right there, I mean, he's not talking, it's right there. And in that moment, I shift offline, move that muzzle, he pulls the trigger and somebody dies across the park. One, I'm covered by self-defense as long as I didn't, you know, do something else, right? Um, and I can articulate that it was just, it was a sudden, I, I had to do something, right? Not only am I covered for that, but if he doesn't die by my hands or by the cop's hands or whatever, in that scenario, he's going to jail for the killing across the, the, the lawn or across the park, Okay. Um, it's second-degree murder, okay? And it was going to be anyway because he was going to sh either going to shoot me or them, okay? So, again, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not giving legal advice. This is a general thing based on my understanding. I have to keep repeating this if somebody doesn't go, Josie Miller said, and, you know, <laughs> they went out and shot somebody. So right. um, uh, defend against the dumb is what I call it. Um, so... That's second degree. Third degree is actually, in, in most, in most, in not in most, in a lot of places, it's not called third degree. 
but it, it is a, another level, right? And in this level, you have two things, and it's called man, uh, the general term is manslaughter. So you have voluntary manslaughter, and you have involuntary manslaughter, okay? And it's not splitting hairs here, all right? Manslaughter is you killed somebody, okay? There was no intent. You weren't committing a crime when you did it, typically. You weren't committing a crime, right? Um, so, but somebody died, right? So manslaughter, typically voluntary manslaughter, is in what we call the heat of passion. So let's say I come home and my 15-year-old daughter is curled up in a fetal position in her bed because she was, you know, out in the front lawn or whatever, or she, you know, went next door to borrow a cup of sugar or whatever, right? And she got raped by the guy next door. And I snap. I grab a knife, gun, whatever, and I go next door and I whack him just like that, right? That is reasonable heat of passion, okay? If I wait a day or an hour or a week or whatever, plan out how I'm going to get this guy, that's not heat of passion anymore. If i trying to blow this off, trying to keep my cool, everything's good, and I calm myself down, right, tell this guy, better stay away from my family. If I see you, I just, I won't verbalize it because I'm not going to jail for verbalizing it. However, you need to move, okay? But let's say a week from now, I pull up at a red light, and he pulls up right beside me, and something inside me just, bang, I grab a gun, shoot through the window, kill him or kill uh maybe he's in the passenger side i miss him and i shoot the driver see now i'm Hmm. in second degree murder Mm -hmm. okay do you get that okay yeah so voluntary manslaughter is heat of passion okay it happens just bang i snap now how prone are you to snapping right those kind of things right because this would be reasonable heat of passion somebody with anger management problems you're going to jail for second degree murder because you snap all the time. That's not heat of passion for a normal person. You weren't pushed beyond your limits. You're beyond your reasonable limits as a normal human being, right? You snap all the time, okay? Involuntary manslaughter can be summed up generally as a death occurred while you were doing something legally, illegally. Case in point, DUI. Driving is legal. Driving intoxicated, not legal. You caused a death, it's involuntary manslaughter. You didn't mean for it to happen. You didn't even mean to have an accident. But you were doing something in a way that was not, again, we're back to, you know, not really concerned about the public good, but it's not It's not the same as murder. Okay? Yeah. So, and then there's justifiable homicide, which is typically where self-defense falls, should a death occur, death occur, you know, um, as long as everything pans out. But we always have to keep in mind that, one, our baggage precedes us. Our reputation precedes us. It, it walks in the room before you do, right? And the other thing we need to keep in mind is that there are overzealous judges, public defenders, or not public defenders, uh, prosecutors, all these folks, so, you know, you're not just showing evidence of certain things. You have to defend against 
these people. So you need to make sure you have your major shit together. But at the same time, you have a choice, right? If you're going to be overly responsible uh, and fear legally that any action might shoot somebody, I mean, can you imagine the amount of time it's going to take, more than the blink of an eye, to discern whether this guy is going to pull a trigger that you aren't going to be able to see and, and operate fast enough to not get shot with and know where everyone else in the room is, or in, especially in a park or outside, in a room yeah. maybe. Okay? Now, if I'm out with friends or family or whatever, you know, if, if something happens, I generally have stock of where they are. So I'm going to do my thing, right? Um, and I'm going to move in different directions. That's why we practice doing things on both sides. That's why we practice doing things inside and outside and not just mimicking the same kata the same way all the time, right? That's why we do scenario-based training like this. But um, there's a lot more to defending yourself than just the cool moves, right? That's why we have those eight phases of uh, that self-defense strategy, right? When it was given to me originally by a teacher, there were only six, and that ran out with the physical self-defense, right? I added the last two, which was defending against post-traumatic stress, and the last one was protecting yourself against internal business or whatever, policies, procedures, as a police officer or an employee defending themselves on the job might have to worry about, or defending yourself against the legal system. Okay? Self-defense is not, you know, it's not something to be toyed with. Um, it's not something to be cavalier and nonchalant about it, but at the same time, you have to make a stand. You have to decide, look, do I let this guy shoot me and then I can't protect anybody, right? Or do I run the risk that in protecting myself and neutralizing the threat, somebody else could get shot? And as I pointed out in that response that I had on Facebook, this isn't just about guns, right? What if, you know, if there's something going on and there's a bunch of people running around and panicking or I'm at a line in a in a... At a, at a movie theater or whatever, you know, you put these things in one yeah. context, or I'm at a, a state fair and it's wall-to-wall people, next thing I know there's a knife coming in my gut and I shift to get out of the way and he stabs the guy behind me. Well, you know, are we going to split hairs here? Like, you know, you, you're responsible for that guy getting stabbed because if you, what, if you wouldn't have gotten out of the way, he wouldn't have gotten stabbed. You're right. But this guy would still have a knife and still be on the on the loose if he stabbed you and you dropped. How many people in that given population of whatever, whatever environment you're in has the skills that you do to be able to neutralize right. this guy? Yeah. Right? So the cold lesson is you can't protect everybody. And, that, I mean, that's why the FBI and every law enforcement group, when they're dealing with a hostage situation, there's already an understanding. The, the idea would be we save everybody, but there's already an understanding that you're going to lose 10 to 15% of the hostages. On a, on a hostile insertion where you're going in, you've tried to negotiate it, it's not happening, they're threatening to kill hostages, they've already shot one, they've proved that they're going to do this thing, and you're going in. When that team goes in, you already know that you're losing maybe <laughs> in, in some scenarios as many as 50% of the hostages. Oh, and that's where the that's where the social, yeah. uh, you know, the social uh, heroes come out of the woodwork. Oh my God! If the cops would have gone in, you know, well, where uh-huh. are these people going to go? 
yeah. right? To not shoot the the hostages who probably have seen their faces, right? So even if you let them go, you can now identify them, right? Um, now, they don't have body shields if you let them go, so they're going to trust the cops, right? Um, or are you going to let these killers go off into the world to protect this small group? And see, the, the, the general the general understanding in a well-balanced social structure is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So we get it, right? You don't negotiate with hostages, uh, 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 terrorists and hostage takers and things like that. You do up to a point, but um, so that's where this whole thing went, and it's just a bigger can of worms than just there's a bunch of gay who's teaching. Because morally, the problem there is people not qualified to teach are teaching people this stuff, and they're putting them in more harm's way than the person would have been before he went to that teacher. Right. So it's this yeah. is very deep. So I, I know I talked a lot about the, the different degrees, but hopefully that was usable by people. Uh, and again, one more time, not a lawyer, not giving legal advice. You can look this stuff up, and I highly suggest that you look it up in your jurisdiction, your state, in your area, because all of them, the wording's a little bit different, um, the punishments are different, things like that. But uh, you need to know this stuff. I mean, if you're taking legal responsibility for your safety, then know the frickin' self-defense laws and know what what could be happening. And before you get into these debates, you know, I, nothing bothers me more than armchair ninja trying to be armchair lawyers, right? So, hmm. um, you know, it is what it is, right? And I'm not debating these things with anyone because I spent seven years in and out of uniform in that occupation dealing with people and reading and rereading the laws that I was charging these people with. So... You know, I, I, like I said, I just to make sure that I wasn't a miss, I double checked before I got on the call. So, you know, um, here we are. But again, I'm not giving legal advice. <laughs> I'm just settling a little debate about me being responsible for the round and where it goes. I accept karmic and moral responsibility for that person going down because I understand I made a choice to not die. And I made a choice to act and to act in the direction that I sent the weapon. But I did not pull the trigger. Okay? And if, you know, if, 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 if I have the wherewithal, I'm going to redirect it in the best possible direction to minimize that possibility. But it comes down to you can't do good in the world if you're not in the world. Okay? Yeah. So... I'm, I'm not going to argue with people that want to play these little mental gymnastic games when they have absolutely no experience in that realm other than their own little mental gymnastic games, their beliefs and their their perspective on what should be true or what is or isn't true. But again, it's ego-driven and not based on the rule of law or, you know, those kind of things. So... Anyway, how about that? That is awesome. And I'm looking here to see if there's any questions that have popped through on the website. I don't see any. I either put people to sleep or uh, how many people are still on. Oh, we've got a good small handful. So Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm either putting them to sleep or 
they're processing things, or maybe they're just well, certainly a lot there to think about. Yeah, because they're working. Well, yeah. there is, there is. But you know, here's the big thing, right? As long as you're not doing the ninja seeking out to kill the mafia warlord, or you know, you're not uh, always at odds with the cops in your area. And it doesn't have to be because you're a criminal, right? If you're just a known, outspoken individual who hates cops and you just come across as you're going to do whatever you want to do because, sure, it, you know, that's called freedom, baby. Right? And I get that. <laughs> I do get that. But if you want ultimate freedom the way most people discuss it, move to the woods and the mountains. Yeah. Don't hang out in a social group because written or implied, there's rules of conduct. Right? So... Um. Anyway, so uh, I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just I gonna mean, put this, this disclaimer this out there right idea. now that uh, if if you think somebody's gonna stab me, don't stand behind me because uh, I'm not. <laughs> well, and you know, and you alluded to that in that in that answer that I had. This doesn't stop at knives and guns. I mean, you yeah. know, what if what if in the in the scuffle here, somebody's running to get away, they trip over one of one of us or the other one or whatever, land on the ground. Just as I'm dropping this guy with a rear hip throw or a gun techie or whatever, and drop this guy's body weight right on this person's rib cage, splinter a rib and it stabs into a lung or their heart or you know cuts their aorta or whatever, this person dies. So this is not limited to just guns. Yeah. Right. Now in that instance, well, see if people can understand how that wouldn't be murder, because my action and that just kind of happened and that person ended up being there by, uh, you know, coincidence or whatever, then how is that different from me moving a muzzle? I didn't purposely move it. I'm, I'm going to do my best to move it away from people that I know about. But a 22 caliber long rifle round, when discharged from a, a firearm, will travel a mile before it starts to tumble because it's losing velocity. A mile, unless it hits wow. something hard and and stops or deflects or whatever, it will travel a mile. Okay? Now, higher velocity, 9 millimeter, 40 caliber, 44, whatever, right? Way far, 45s and, and some of the other ones, they tumble sooner because it's about mm. mass, not right. velocity. Yeah. But, you know, how am I supposed to how am I going to take, to take stock? of what is a mile away from me or a quarter of a mile away from me or a hundred yards in the heat of the moment when I have to make a decision to die or not die and protect those in at least my near vicinity, right? So, and that's the same with dumping, you know, throwing somebody or whatever, right? It's the same, but you have to be able to articulate that you were in danger. And, you know, most people are going to understand that, right? But, you know, if you were pushing and shoving and it was a fight and next thing you know the guy pulls a trigger and you did this or whatever, then, you know, you might have to worry about a prosecutor saying, you know, had you not been pushing and shoving and engaged in a fight to begin with, that person wouldn't have been shot. Right? Hmm. So, see, different conditions. Right? So this is not an easy answer for debate on Facebook that people try to make it. Right? But... What we're trying to do is, is provide some additional information because it is deep. And it's my job as a teacher to make sure that I know as much as possible about the, about the subject that I'm, I'm presenting 
and certainly more than just frickin' moves. If that weren't true, then kindergarten teachers should not bother, you know, teaching reading beyond a rudimentary level, and they should stop teaching you after you can almost kind of make the alphabet, right? So why bother going on after that? Yeah. Right? So, but that's where a lot of people want to lay down their their camp or their, they want to mount their flag uh, after they've learned a technique or two. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned this in past shows that you don't practice until you can do something right. You practice until you can't get it wrong. So mm. uh, yeah. don't don't think that, especially with something like firearms where only 10% of, of dealing with a scenario is uh, physical skill, don't think that as soon as you've learned some gun disarm technique that your firearms training is done. That is the height of ignorance and stupidity. And should you act out of, you know, out of whatever, out of belief and not knowledge, and you're not prepared for defending against the aftermath or surviving the aftermath, right? You beat him, but there's still more to deal with afterwards. Financially, time-wise, family, right? Psychologically, emotionally. If you haven't considered that and have been training to deal with that legally, all that stuff, right, um, then here's another cold, hard lesson. From a sense of universal justice, karmically, you're going to – you get what you deserve. You get what you've created. Hmm. So, again, it's cold, right? But whatever happened to – whatever happened to Buddhist compassion, Shidoshi – um, compassion has nothing to do with uh, nice. Yeah. It has to do with providing that which the other person needs, not necessarily what they want. And it has absolutely nothing to do with nice. Nice is sympathy, not compassion. Empathy, yeah. sympathy, you know, I can put myself in your shoes, empathy. I feel for you. I feel your pain. I don't, I've never had that experience, but I'm sad because you're sad. Sympathy. Mm -hmm. Compassion. I know what you need, and I want to give you what you need because it will make you better, stronger, more healthy, whatever. Didn't promise it was going to feel good. Right. Yeah. So, anyway. Another right. good one. Yeah. We, we definitely and, have to uh, balance this out with more jokes. <laughs> well, We're just too we, damn serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we hope that uh, you've enjoyed this uh, this episode, and we'll be back at it again live uh, next Friday. Until then, you can definitely go to the Facebook page, as Josh and others have done, to post their questions or you know uh, follow along with uh, some of the different discussions on some of these different pages that uh, you know Mr. Miller is on and you, you can see some of these discussions on on different topics and and how we dive into them on different shows but yeah anything that comes up certainly get it get it our way and uh, we'll have it on an upcoming episode of Kuden and until next week until next week Thank you for listening to KUDEN, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. 
For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com. 